Good morning. Well, uh, tonight, before we get started, I want to announce uh, it's a very special mosaic. Um, it's going to be completely youth-led. Um, and so we're going to have uh, Junior Ramos is going to be preaching. Uh, we're going to have youth leading the worship. We're going to have youth. You're going to see testimonies of the youth in our youth group and how God's moving in their lives. And uh, if you don't, if you go, man, I'm not coming to a Sunday night service. I'm not going to go to a mosaic. I want you to pray about it um, and see if God might want you to come tonight at 550. Because it's really going to be a blessing to see how God is moving in the next generation. Because everyone's talking about how this world is running away from Jesus. But I would say that that's not true for everybody. There are some youth in our culture today that are actually running to Jesus. And they're actually seeking God and pursuing him in a relationship in powerful ways. In ways that will challenge me and will challenge you. So please come tonight at 550. Um, and I mean, if you, if you miss out, you know... Uh, Ask for the video, because I think that's really going to be one of those powerful things that you don't want to miss tonight at 5.50. Okay, with that said, uh, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 23. Um, If you want to, I hope you have your Bibles. Uh, If you have your Bible, turn there with me. Uh, It's going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. But uh, who's seen The Sandlot? Who, the Sandlot. All right, awesome movie, right? Most, uh, if you haven't seen The Sandlot, I recommend watching that. It's just a classic. Um, great movie. Uh, and there's this part in The Sandlot where the, the, the Sandlot kids get in a little bit of an argument with these other baseball kids. Y'all know what scene I'm talking about? And they have this, and they go back and forth, right? And then, and then it ends with what? You play ball like a girl, right? Y'all, y'all with me? Okay, and so, and right there, everyone just goes, <gasps> like that's, that ends it. It's done. See, this is what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 23. He holds no punches here. He finally, he he completely exposes the Pharisees for what they are here in Matthew 23. And uh, I think, and and a lot of times as I study uh, about the Pharisees and I read up on them and who they are, what they did, uh, and Jesus had the biggest problem that he had was with the Pharisees, if you don't know. He had some, uh, you're gonna, if you read cha- all of chapter 23, wh- which I recommend that you do, we don't have time to go through all of it this morning, but you'll see what I'm talking about, and this morning you're going to see what I'm talking about a little bit. But he had a huge problem with them. Um, but the thing is, is as I studied them, God kind of hit me and goes, well, here's the thing. You have some Pharisee in you too, Travis. And that's why this morning's message is titled, Getting Rid of the Pharisee and Me. Because it's really easy to point the finger at them in the Bible. But then I think whenever we start studying it and we see where Jesus had his problem with them, we start to look at us and we go, oh man, maybe, maybe God has something to speak to me as well. So let's read uh, Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 4 together. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Let's pray one more time before we dive in. Jesus, I just pray for everybody here that is hearing your word. Lord, that you would speak to each of us where we're at. We're all across the spectrum here. Some of us longtime Christians, followers of you. Some of us new Christians. Some of us not Christians at all. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us each directly. And only you can do that, God. 
I can't do anything here. Only you can speak. Only you can move a heart to change. And I pray that you would do that now. All God's people said, amen. Man, I must be taken after Bill. Now I'm, all God's people said. All right. Um, uh, so, so first thing here, it says that do what they, it says do what they tell you. You must obey them and do everything that they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. And so we've all heard that, right? One of the main things for um, Christians today, actually, is for, that people will say for reasons they don't come to church is what? Christians are hypocrites, right? And that's kind of what people say. So we, we know that that's true even today. And some of it's unwarranted, and some of it is definitely warranted. We, we've kind of done that to ourselves, and some of it's just, you know, being... Uh, false people saying things on the news and all that stuff, putting some backwoods preacher that preaches to his family and that's it on, on a camera and they say stupid stuff and then all Christians end up taking the blame for that. So I understand that happens too, but some of it, we actually are hypocrites, right? And uh, what I always say, by the way, a little, little bit of a rabbit, is um, if you're here and, uh, and, and you, know, you have friends that say, well, you're, y- y'all are hypocrites in the church, or not you ne- uh, personally, but there are hypocrites in the church, go, yeah, um, and there's room for one more. So you want to come to church with me? Because in the end, I think that we all have some hypocrisy in us. So be, it'll be kind of fun to use that one whenever they say that. Uh, but the thing about the Pharisees is you go, okay, how are they not practicing what they preach? Because here's the thing about the Pharisees. They were the most straight-laced guys, the most stand-up guys that you could find. They were the preachers and teachers. They were the ones that studied God's word for a living. Their name actually means set-apart ones. That's what Pharisees means. And, And the scribes were ones that they studied the law of God and they studied the Bible. And that was all that they did. And so these guys were actually, in the culture, they were respected, and they were stand-up guys, and, and, and these preachers and these teachers, and, and they're really dedicated to what they did. Here's the thing. When you, when you uh, compile all, when they got done, um, I can't remember what year it was, but when they were finished compiling all the regulations and rules that they followed based on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, it was a 50-volume book. Imagine with me just really fast. 50 of these stacked on top of each other. That's what these guys tried to follow. That's insane. And so you go, how, but how did they not practice what they preached? What was the problem? And I think here's the problem for us too. The problem was this, and this is what Jesus would say. Following a list of rules is not practicing your faith. There's so much more than that. And, here, and, and go with me to verse 23 of chapter 23. Verses 23 and 24. 23 says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. There's that word. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Like, so these guys were to the T on the tithe. I don't know about y'all, but I mean, they, they pulled out their salt and they were like, here's about a tenth. Today, we would go, thank you for the salt. Weird. But that's how they, that's how they tithed back then. That's how they, they gave a tenth of everything. So these guys were to the T when it came to that. Okay? And they, they tithe even their spices. But it says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. 
justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have, guys, don't, don't hear me here. Now, whenever you hear me preach this message, don't go, okay, so I think I heard this morning that the pastor said, I can just go get wasted and as long as I love God, it's okay. No, that's not, there's definitely something that happens when you come to Jesus out of your love for God. You want to follow certain things and you don't want to do certain things and you do want to do other things. That happens naturally when you come to Jesus because you love him. You're going to try to live a life that is pure and blameless before him to show him to the world, right? So there is a difference in our morals. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying when the morals becomes the end goal, we have it completely twisted up. That was never meant to be the end goal, and that's the problem that the Pharisees had. And so, and that's what he's showing here. He says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. And a gnat was, a camel and a gnat were both unclean. They were both considered unclean for them to eat and to consume. Okay, but he goes, okay, so you take this tiny, tiny little fly, and you go, I'm going to make sure that that doesn't get, and they would actually have these strainers whenever they were um, drinking and things like that, that they would make sure that they would get them out. So they would strain it, literally strain out the gnat from their drinks because, you know, they had, they were all, flies, I guess, were a lot, a huge problem back then. I don't know. Um, But they would strain out these gnats, and he goes, see, you do that, but you consume a camel, you're missing the point. Y'all see what he's saying there? And so he's, he's using this, uh, the, it's kind of like a proverb that he's saying here. He's going, listen, you, you pay attention to the smallest of the small, and you're so good at that, but in the end, you miss the main goal. You miss the big picture. You're, you're wrong because you're so focused on the small stuff that you missed what it was all about. Okay? And so they had the wrong focus. Um. Whenever Karen and I just moved into our new house, uh, which, uh, by the way, y'all really, y'all gave me a pounding is what y'all called it. Um, And y'all really blessed us with uh, a lot of stuff. And and thank you so much for those gifts. That meant a lot to us. But we moved um, into our house and the night before um, we were moving in. In the day before, I'm sure if you've moved before, you kind of know how it is, but we were just running around crazy from the moment we got out of bed, touched our feet on the ground. It was like we were running, right? And so the day before we moved all of our stuff from our apartment into our house, we painted all day because this house was like rainbow colored. It was, I had to paint it. It was just kind of, no offense if your house is rainbow colored, I apologize. Um, (laughs) But... But we had, to, we had to paint it. I, I didn't like it, so, and Carrie didn't like it, so we painted all day. And we had some family come over and help us paint and stuff like that. And then afterwards, we decided that, hey, we're going to move some of our stuff to our, um, to our house, just uh, maybe a few things. And so we all went, uh, and I know that Savon and McKenzie were with us, uh, and Danielle, I believe, was with us, and, um, and Carrie and myself, and, and we were... We went back to our apartment to go, okay, let's, let's get some of this stuff. Let's get some more of our clothes packed up and all that stuff, you know, and get everything boxed up. And, um, and so while we were doing that, uh, and while we were there, I was like, okay, uh, it, Carrie, is there anything that we really need to focus on getting out of the way tonight just so we know that it's taken care of, we don't have to miss anything? And Carrie's answer was, I really want to get that soap dispenser. Like, that was her answer. Will you show the first picture for us? Okay, so this soap dispenser is probably $3 at a Dollar General. Um, and I don't know if you see all of the junk in the back, but we need to move all that too. 
And, and, and while we're sitting there, and, and to, our le- to, to the left right there in that picture was uh, uh, Danielle, McKenzie, and Savon. And, um, and, and they, we all, and I just looked at her, and I was like, would you come again? Uh, and I just lost it. We all just lost it. And so go to the next picture, because um, here's some of our boxes that she didn't choose to move. She wanted to get the soap dispenser. I made sure I put the soap dispenser in the picture. Um, Y'all see it uh, with all the boxes there that we could have moved, but she wanted to make sure that we got that bad boy taken care of. Um, go to the next, next picture. See, that's all of her jewelry. She wasn't concerned about her jewelry. Uh, she wanted to make sure that she got the soap dispenser moved. So go to the next picture. I made sure... I made sure I got that soap dispenser tucked in, ready to go, because that's what was most important. And see... I, th- I think that sometimes that's what we do. Um, and it was because it was really late. We were all tired. And she, was, and she just, we, we laughed for like 15 minutes straight. I couldn't, we couldn't get over it. Um, and, and so we made sure that we got the soap dispenser. But in the end, what about all the more important stuff? Like what about all of your rings, your earrings, you know, all of that s- boxes of stuff that's really valuable to us? Um, and that's what we do sometimes. And that's what the Pharisees did is they neglected the weightier things of the law. So here's what I mean when I say following a list of rules is not practicing your faith, if that's the end goal. Because here's where they failed. And they read it just a few minutes ago when they came up here. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were in all of the Bible, Jesus said that all this, all this right here, this portion of the Bible, this is what they had so far, Jesus simplified it down into two commandments. He said, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said, the second one's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He goes, that all of this that you study, you study for all the rules to follow, all the laws to keep, but you miss the main point of all of the Bible. Do you love God? Do you love people? Jesus made it a lot more simple than they were trying to make it. They had a 50-volume book. Jesus limited it to two things. He said, here's how simple the faith really is. Do you love God? And out of your love for God, do you love others? And I think that sometimes we measure ourselves by the wrong standard. We measure our maturity as Christians. We go, well, I don't do this. I don't do that. I go to church every now and then. I don't cuss unless I'm in traffic and someone makes me mad. Right? And and we go, well, I'm pretty good. And so I'm a strong Christian. Guys, I've heard heard it said that just because a teenager's in church every single week means that they're a strong Christian. Just because their best friends are people in the youth group means that they're a strong Christian. But that's, that's not what Jesus would say. He would say, it all comes down, do you love God and do you love others? You can follow rules all your life. You can do all the right things all your life as far as the things. And by the way, following rules, if I can just be honest with you, Mormons are better than Christians at following rules. What's the difference between a Mormon and a Christian? They're not the same. Do you love God? Is it out of a love for God and do you love others? It's much more than just, and, and we've all seen this, right? We've all talked to the Christian um, that it's like, you, you see him, you, you say, like, you see him in the church, and, and not, not necessarily this church, but we've all talked to this Christian, um, and, and that, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're really happy and you have the joy of God in your life, could you tell your face, you know? 
It's like, don't, and, and Carrie said I shouldn't say this, but I think that a lot of times you, we, we see Christians that kind of walk around like they went number two in their pants, and, and there's got to be, I'm serious, but there's it's so much more than that. It, you, it, we need to be the most joy-filled, the most love-filled people. Save the email if you're going to email me about that. I'm we need to be the most joy-filled people on this planet because we have the love. We've been talking about the cross and what Jesus did for us. We've been talking about how Jesus laid down his life while we hated him in our sin. He came and he died for me to give me life. I would, the, the message of the gospel, guys, is not live a moral life. It's be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not primarily about behavior modification. He wants your heart. He wants your heart's desire and your heart's affection. That's what God's primary goal is. And when God has your heart, yes. Are there going to be some behavior patterns that change? Absolutely. But that's not the end goal. And the driving force behind that is because, man, I was once dead in my sins. And now I'm alive in Jesus Christ. And I've got to tell you about it. Do y'all see the difference there? And, and I, I just want that to sink in for us because I, I think that sometimes we can, we can fall, into, fall into the same trap that they're in. And I think that that's why our love kind of can grow stagnant. We can continue in the right motions, the right activities, the right rituals. But in the end, if our love for God grows stale, Jesus says, that's not what I'm about. I want you to love me. So let's take that standard and in our hearts. Maybe as I continue going on, think, when I take that standard, do I love God? Do I love God? God, and ask God, like, how much do I love you and how much do I love others because of you in my life? And talking about how they didn't practice their faith, another way is that they knew the scriptures, and that's the next point. Um, they knew the scriptures, but they didn't live the scriptures. Um, and here's what I mean. Like, uh, we have some Bible drill youth. Raise your hand if you're in Bible drill youth across. Okay. Bible drill is pretty awesome um, because like the first week that the sixth graders came into Wednesday night Bible study, uh, uh, we have a Wednesday night Bible study for youth called Revive. And the first night that the sixth graders were in there, I was looking for, uh, I think it was Philemon, um, which is a really small Bible. And I was like, I can't find Philemon. And one of the, the sixth graders was like, I think it's after Titus. Um, and, and I was like, Okay, man, they're already showing me up, and they've only been here one week. So I asked her to arm wrestle me. Um, no, uh, it, but, but it, they, they, they just know where the Bible is. So that, there's a lot of value in that, and that's really cool. But the Pharisees would have whooped all of y'all, by the way, in, um, in Bible drill, because all the youth would have got up there, and they get their Bibles, and I think it goes something like, you find the scripture right, uh, and they have to flip through there. I'm, I'm checking with Gwen right now. Um, and, uh, and, and they say, go, and you all find it. But the, the Pharisees would have been up there like this. Got it. Because they memorized the Bible. They memorized the first five books of the Bible from ages 6 to 12. 6 to 12. They had... At, by the time they were 12 years old, they had Leviticus memorized. No, seriously, let that sink in. Leviticus memorized. Um, if you've never read the Bible before, on your own, don't start in Leviticus. There's, it's still God's word. Still some, definitely some applicable stuff because all of God's word is God-breathed. But you are going to fall asleep if you read three chapters of Leviticus. It's just going to happen, okay? But they memorized it. That's how dedicated they were. 
But Jesus doesn't care how many Bible scriptures you know. He cares about how many you are living. Jesus does not care how many scriptures you know. He cares how many you are living. We can go to a Bible study every day of the week. But if we don't put it into practice, it's useless. Go with me to um, James. He's going to put it up on there for us. Uh, James chapter 1, starting in verse 22. Um, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it, do what it says, is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Guys, we live in an information just infested culture, right? You can click at a click of a button now, you can get all kinds of information. And because of that, there have been studies, multiple studies done, that show that we have a low information to action ratio we have a low information to action ratio and what i mean by that is that we are trained because of all the information that we're constantly hearing we're trained to hear a bunch of stuff and take no action on what we hear and that's a huge problem in our culture but God's going, listen, you need to look into what God says. You need to look into the, whenever you're having a Bible study, you need to look into it intently going, God, what do you want from me out of this? And, I t- and you need to listen to what God says in his word with the plan on taking action immediately after you hear it. And maybe it's a baby step, but you still go, God, I don't just want to um, learn more, learn more, learn more. I want to take and do what you have for me. And that's the goal of what we want. And that's, and that's what they weren't doing, though. They were not doing that. They were simply hearing, hearing, hearing. And no wonder people in church are so bored. Maybe they're so bored because they're not living anything that's being said. They're not experiencing God. They're just hearing more about him. God is not a God that you just hear more about. Jesus is not just a rule to follow. He's a God to love. He's a God to experience. He's a God to adore. And he's a God to obey and to serve because he is that awesome. He is that amazing. When we stand and we say, glorify God, I exist to glorify God. Man, that's the cry of our hearts. When Jesus captures our hearts, that's the cry of our heart is that we go, I just want to glorify you, Jesus, because I'm changed. Because I've been changed. And that's, and that's, the, that's what Jesus' problem was with the Pharisees is that they knew the scriptures, but they did not live the scriptures. And one of the problems with uh, church-going teens today, since I'm the youth pastor, I'll say this. One of the problems with church-going teens is they get brought to church by their parents, and they get told how awesome Jesus is. And their parents tell them that Jesus is awesome. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is all that really matters. But then at home, their parents take them home, and they're living a whole other message. They don't live like Jesus is so awesome. They don't live like Jesus is so amazing. And they don't live like Jesus is all that matters. Guys, and this is true for me, too, whenever I'm teaching. And I pray that God would help me to be a true, uh, of whenever I say let's live it out, I pray that I would live it out as well. But at the end of the day, your kids are not going to follow what you say. They're going to follow what you do. It doesn't matter what, they, what you teach them. At the end of the day, they're going to follow you more than they follow your teaching. And that's just a fact. So the question is, according to what we've talked about, 
are we living this thing out? Are we simply talking the talk or are we actually walking the walk? There's a reason why things like talk is cheap, actions speak louder than words, are phrases that we hear in our culture today a lot. It's because it's still true. We need to live what we talk about. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect at all. That's, that's where we point to Jesus and go, but Jesus is, isn't he awesome that he forgave a sinner like me? I apologize for me being a failure. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That's the message of the gospel. But at the end of the day, are we following him? Are we living for him? Do you love God? Do you love others? Are you living out what we talk about here or whenever you're reading by yourself? Are you taking action on what you read? And I have one more thing that the Pharisees, what Jesus had a problem with in the Pharisees. Not, not one more thing in this whole passage, but one more thing that we'll go over today. In verse 4, read with me. Verse 4. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. These guys were ready to amen the preacher whenever he said the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But they were unwilling to get out of their pews and do something about it. Whenever they were gonna, if they were going to do anything, these guys, this is, this is one of Jesus' main problems with the Pharisees. If they were going to do it, they bind up all this stuff and they just load it down on people. If they were going to do anything, it was going to be this. They were going to point a finger in condemnation. We're about to watch a video, and I want you all to pay attention to the words of this song by Casting Crowns and, and watch the video. She is running a hundred miles an hour in the wrong direction. She is trying, but the canyon's ever widening. In the depths of her cold heart So she sets out on another misadventure just to find She's another two years older And she's three more steps behind Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? Or does anybody even know she's going? shadow of our steeple with all the lost and lonely people searching for the hope that's tucked away in you and me does anybody hear her can anybody see she is yearning for shelter and affection she never found it home. She is searching for a hero to ride in, to ride in and save the day. And in walks her Prince Charming, and he knows just what to say. Momentary lapse of reason, and she gives herself. Anybody see, or does anybody even know she's going? 
Past a scarlet letter, and we've never even met her. If judgment looms under every steeple, if lofty glances from lofty people can't see past a scarlet letter, and we've never even met her. See, something happens. Something happens to my heart when I watch that because there's people all around us that don't know Jesus and that they're longing for the hope that we have in him, that we walk right by them on a daily basis. And my, man, I dream of the day when the church is primarily known for what they're for instead of what they're against. And I just think that's a great picture of, of what sometimes we can do and what I never want to do, and I've done it. But it's time to quit lifting a finger at a point and start lifting a finger to change. To say, yes, you're a sinner, but yes, there is a Jesus who has, that came down, and there's a hope, there's a love that came for us to save us from our sin. This burden that you're under of your sin can be lifted off of you in a moment's notice if you would just come to the healer of our souls. Come to Jesus and be healed. And if you don't know Jesus, come to Jesus and be healed. You can come talk to one of the staff members if you need to pray, if there's something that you need to talk about. If you want to join our church, we'll, this will be down here um, about to have a response time. If you just need to come to this altar and you need to pray and get on your face before God because God is breaking you right now. 
then come do it. But let's be a people that go out and, and we go out showing, man, that yes, that this world's in sin, but there is a God who loves the world so much that he sent his one and only, one and only son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. One of the scriptures that our upward kids get and understand. Let's reach out to the world with the love of Jesus. Who is it that you know that maybe you need to just reach out a hand to? Maybe you need to reach out an ear to and just listen to them and tell them about the God that changed your heart and can change them.